Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies, yeah. You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Tonight, deadly Hurricane Fiona strengthens into a Category 3 storm, leaving a path of destruction and more than a million without power. The powerful storm slams into Turks and Caicos after devastating Puerto Rico. CBS's David Begno toured the damage. I am beginning to feel weak. Yeah. It's, the process has been very hard, but I have to stay strong. Plus, the forecast, could the storm become a Category 4 hurricane? Apartment explosion rocks Chicago. Fire crews respond after the blast rips through a four-story building. CBS's Adriana Diaz is on the ground talking to neighbors. Yeah, my bed shook, almost like an earthquake. What happened on a highway overpass that caused this truck to overturn into a fiery inferno? Signs of torture, the shocking images tonight from Ukraine. CBS's Deborah Pata goes inside a room where it's feared war crimes took place. Right here is where the torture chambers apparently were. That's what we're going to see now. And the stunning fraud scheme tonight. The hundreds of millions of dollars allegedly stolen from hungry children to buy fancy cars and homes. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this busy Tuesday night. Tonight, Hurricane Fiona is only getting stronger as it moves through the Caribbean as a Category 3 storm with sustained winds of more than 115 miles per hour. The first major hurricane of the season slammed the Turks and Caicos earlier today after devastating Puerto Rico with nearly three feet of rain. At least four people have died from the storm in Puerto Rico. The governor activated members of the National Guard to help residents who are stranded. 
Think about this. 80% of the island is without power. And in the Dominican Republic, Fiona ripped roofs off homes and cut off access to entire communities after streets were blocked with downed trees and power lines. We'll have more on where that storm is heading next, but we want to start with CBS's David Begno, who is in Salinas, Puerto Rico. Good evening, David. Good evening, Nora. You're about to hear the governor make a bold prediction as to when he thinks most people could have power restored. We met the governor here today in Salinas, right along the southern coast, which was overrun by not only rainwater, but ocean water. Now, most of the water's receded, and what we have left tonight is mud, debris, and Puerto Ricans with a lot of storm-driven PTSD. It's been one day since Hurricane Fiona's fierce winds and torrential rain finally left Puerto Rico. And people are now just beginning to grapple with widespread damage and no power. We flew to Lajas on Puerto Rico's southwestern edge, where we met Olga Vega. She took cover in her bathroom as wind gusts topped 90 miles per hour and tore part of her tin roof right off. How are you doing emotionally? The process has been very hard, but I have to stay strong. No water, no power, no, no roof. No water, no power. To the east of Lajas in Salinas, we caught up with Puerto Rico's Governor Pedro Pierluisi, who predicted that the power is going to be on soon. A substantial majority of the customers will get their power back by the end of the day tomorrow. Really? Yeah, but I'm not talking 100% at all. Near where the governor surveyed damage, one farmer in Salinas called this the worst catastrophe in 20 years. Plantains, bananas, all underwater, ruined. Evidence of Fiona's path is everywhere. And across the island, homes and businesses are destroyed. Five years after Hurricane Maria killed nearly 3,000 people and knocked out power to 1.5 million residents. Now a good portion of the island is in the dark again. Critical updates to the island's power grid since Maria are continuing. Luma Energy took over that project 15 months ago. And since they did, outages are fewer, but they're lasting longer, according to officials. And the reality is nothing has happened in terms of rebuilding, right? How long do you expect that to take? We are rebuilding the grid every day. Every day we make improvements. Back in Salinas, 79-year-old Carmen Arroyo is once again dealing with no power and damage from a storm surge that flooded this cancer patient's home. And what do you know, it started raining again as if the Puerto Ricans haven't had enough. Here in Salinas behind me, this home fell into a sinkhole. The lady told me I built it three years ago. It was my dream home, and now it's sitting in a hole. Nor the governor said it might be a week before they know really fully how much damage has been caused across the island. Well, David, thank you for your steadfast reporting. Well, for more on where Hurricane Fiona is headed next, let's bring in meteorologist Chris Warren from our partners at the Weather Channel. Chris, good evening. Good evening, Nora. Fiona remains a major hurricane right now. This is a strong storm that is bringing a lot of heavy rain and some strong winds sustained at 115 miles an hour. Those are the latest winds with this Category 3 hurricane. Want to show you from the Turks and Caicos what that looks like. Some of the heavy rain and the wind from earlier. And we are watching this storm that is likely to get even stronger. A Cat 4 possible by Thursday as it approaches Bermuda and then heads up to Canada. And then here, a high chance of development in the coming days, an area of investigation that as it does move into the Caribbean, it is, Nora, entering an area where conditions are favorable for development. Chris, thank you so much. 
Well, now to what's being described as the largest pandemic relief fraud case. Today, federal prosecutors charged 47 people with stealing more than a quarter of a billion dollars meant for needy children and then using that money to line their own pockets. CBS's Jeff Pegues has all the new details. In Minnesota, the wads of cash first got people's attention. Then the pricey real estate, cars and jewelry. Investigators said today that it was all proceeds of a scheme that defrauded taxpayers out of more than $250 million. Their goal was to make as much money for themselves as they could while falsely claiming to feed children during the pandemic. The scheme began in early 2020 with a food program known as Feeding Our Future. It allegedly funneled tens of millions in federal dollars to people running fraudulent food sites or nutrition programs. So far, 47 people have been indicted, including Feeding Our Future Executive Director Amy Bach. The children who they said they were feeding didn't exist. The indictment in this case alleges the defendants took money that was set aside to feed hungry children and instead fed their own greed. Since the beginning of the pandemic, government COVID assistance money has been a jackpot for thieves who have used the cash to spend lavishly on exotic cars and mansions. Richard Ivazan was sentenced to 17 years for a family-run scheme that fraudulently obtained tens of millions of dollars in taxpayer money. Rapper Fontrell Antonio Baines, a.k.a. Nuke Bizzle, even bragged about his COVID unemployment fraud ring in a song before pleading guilty to federal fraud charges. The Justice Department has already seized about $1.3 billion in relief funds that criminals tried to steal. But, Nora, they are still, investigators are, going after $8 billion. Such a brazen fraud case. All right, uh, Jeff Pegues, thank you. Well, in Chicago, investigators are on the scene of a powerful explosion that ripped through the top floor of an apartment building. Emergency crews scrambled to search the massive pile of debris for survivors. CBS's Adriana Diaz is there tonight. All of a sudden, I hit a, a boom. My heart, like, almost fell on my body. Bricks turned into projectiles as a blast tore through the top floor of this apartment building. Shannon Nelson lives across the street. I thought, like, this has to be a terrorist attack because... What could sound this loud and shake your house up and I'm literally up the street? You thought this was terrorism? Yes. 135 first responders were dispatched, transporting at least eight injured and searching the rubble for survivors. We had to get our technical experts in here to shore up with struts to uh, make sure we didn't leave any victims underneath any uh, debris. A lot of debris to remove. Fire crews expanded their search to the building across the street after one victim was struck there. CBS News has confirmed the building has failed 10 inspections over the last decade. The most recent in 2020 cites an issue with the gas appliance connection. Roman Veri owns the building. We've resolved uh, our issues. I can't imagine that it was something that we had any part of, uh, but you know, we're hoping that ATF can get to the bottom of that for us. A neighbor told us that after the explosion, the smell of gas in this area was overwhelming. But the gas company told us that they have no indication their equipment or service caused the blast. And Nora Cruz just ripped off what was left of the roof of this building so investigators who are up there now could get inside. Just frightening. Adriana Diaz, thank you. 
Well, the ongoing immigration battle between Republican governors and the White House intensified today with word that a plane carrying migrants was en route to an airport near President Biden's vacation home in Delaware. Here's CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. Officials in Delaware scrambled to prepare for a possible flight with asylum seekers headed to an airport near President Biden's beach house that so far hasn't arrived. We want to make sure that we provide that humanitarian support to them. These are folks who have been uh, probably on a very long journey, and this would be another leg to that long journey. It's the same plane that carried 48 migrants to Martha's Vineyard last week, prompting a criminal investigation by a Texas sheriff. Today, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis would not confirm whether he organized this latest flight and instead criticized the president. If you believe in open borders, then it's the sanctuary jurisdictions that should have to bear the brunt of the open borders. Migrant encounters hit a record, more than two million this year, driven largely by those coming from Venezuela, Cuba and Nicaragua, crises-ridden countries where President Biden said returning them is, quote, not rational. We're working with Mexico and other countries to see if we can stop the flow. In El Paso, this migrant shelter taking in 400 people a day is not enough. Some are at motels, like these women from Venezuela. Denver, Chicago. They're trying to reach relatives in those cities and awaiting a bus ride there. So you wouldn't have the money otherwise. No tuvieras el dinero de otra manera. The city of El Paso is providing bus rides to ease the crowding here. We spoke with the mayor. Are you concerned that the numbers will continue to rise at this point? Do you see them slowing down at any time? No, it's very concerning. You know, yesterday we had 1,833. On Friday we had nearly almost 2,000. So, you know, when you're talking about a couple months ago, we had two, 300 to 2,000. Absolutely. And we're learning tonight that a federal civil rights lawsuit has been filed on behalf of the migrants who were flown to Martha's Vineyard and against Florida's governor and other officials, alleging those migrants were lured onto planes with promises of cash and legal assistance. The lawsuit goes on to call those promises, quote, bold-faced lies. Nora? Manuel Bohorkas at the border. Thank you. And turning now to Russia's war in Ukraine. Tonight, the U.S. is slamming an expected vote in Russian-controlled areas to formally annex parts of Ukrainian territory. The referendum is being called a sham and could further escalate the conflict. Well, this comes as more horrors of war in towns liberated from the Russians are being uncovered. CBS's Deborah Pata reports from Kharkiv. First came the shelling, then the persecution. It took place here at a police station in Izium, taken over by Russian troops. In this miserable basement below, Russian soldiers meted out the terror used to keep civilians under control. Victims have told investigators they were suffocated, beaten and electrocuted. We can see here some kind of wooden bat and masks that we understand were used to asphyxiate victims during periods of intense torture. Unused electric shock devices were also found by detectives combing what's now a crime scene. Prisoners were kept in cramped cells filled with the stench of urine, the walls peppered with neat rows of pencil lines, One, two, three, four, marking five, the days spent locked eight, inside. Nine, Police Chief Sergei Bolsonov leads the investigation. We collect evidence, uh, fingerprints, and DNA, DNA from this place and from another place in this building. To see if they are alive or dead? Of course. 
Factory worker Artem Larchenko says he was imprisoned for over 40 days, electrocuted repeatedly because his brother is in the military. If I didn't answer the way they wanted, he told us, they'd turn up the voltage so that the electric shock is stronger. He's terrified Russian forces will come back and that next time they will kill him. There are now over 34,000 war crimes being investigated here. And these new allegations of Russian atrocities come as Ukraine's Volodymyr Zelensky prepares to address the UN General Assembly virtually tomorrow. Nora. That'll be a big deal, Deborah Pata. Thank you. Well, now to the ongoing legal battle over those top secret documents seized by the FBI last month from former President Donald Trump's Florida home, Mar-a-Lago. Today, the special master appointed to the case held his first hearing with lawyers from both sides at the federal courthouse in Brooklyn, New York. CBS's Scott McFarlane has been following the case. And good evening, Scott. There's some surprising, surprising stuff we learned. Yeah, it's been a month and a half since the FBI seized these records, some marked secret and classified from the former president's resort. A few weeks ago, at Trump's request, Florida federal judge Eileen Cannon ordered the investigation of the records to pause until an independent party known as a special master went through the records first to see if the FBI should be prevented from seeing any of those documents. Today, that special master began his work. Judge Raymond Deary of New York, specifically chosen by the Trump team, he immediately pushed back on Trump's claim he had declassified the sensitive documents in the raid, Nora. And, and Scott, that's not the only thing that stood out today, right? Yeah, during the proceedings today, a couple things stood out. First of all, the Trump team has yet to offer any proof that the declassification happened because it said, they said it would complicate any legal defense they'd muster if there's a criminal indictment. What's more, Deary, the special master, said in court today he's pushing back on that a bit, saying the Trump team seems to be trying to, quote, have their cake and eat it too. He also said he's going to try to move quickly. He has a November 30th deadline to finish his work. The FBI wants those documents back sooner. They say this wait compromises the probe. And Nora, there are still secrets that might be exposed. Fascinating. Scott McFarland, thank you. Well, a ride to school took a terrifying turn in South Carolina today when a school bus slammed into a storefront. That story when we return. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Police in North Charleston, South Carolina, are investigating a frightening crash today involving a school bus. Six students and the driver were injured when the bus lost control on a turn and a high schooler and hit a high schooler before crashing into a convenience store. Officials are using cameras inside the bus to figure out the cause. 
For the first time, a panel of medical experts is recommending that American adults under the age of 65 be screened for anxiety. The draft recommendation comes from the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force. The panel found that screening for mental health disorders, including among those who are pregnant and postpartum, can help identify the problem early and help patients get treatment. Well, coming up next, caught on camera, what caused this fiery crash involving a tractor trailer? North of Dallas tonight in Allen, Texas, police are investigating a deadly crash involving a tractor trailer. Video shows the big rig flying off a highway overpass and bursting into flames. Police say the truck apparently collided with a car before veering off the overpass. At least one person was killed. And we will be right back with the look through an iconic photographer's lens. The late Gordon Parks was considered one of the most renowned photographers of the 20th century. Parks got his start right here in D.C., and the public will soon get the chance to see his early works for the first time. CBS's Nicole Killian gives us a snapshot. Gordon Parks looked through his lens at the poor and the powerful. He's really documenting the second half of the 20th century. Benjamin Tolton is director of the Moreland Spingarn Research Center at Howard University, which acquired more than 250 photographs from Parks' collection. What was it like for you going through these photographs? It was actually mind-blowing because I know him from Shaft. I had never seen a color photograph of Malcolm X. Before he captured iconic images of Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, and Sidney Poitier, the self-taught Kansas native honed his craft in the nation's capital at the height of segregation, launching his career as the first black staff photographer at Life magazine. The collection really does span his earliest work from the 40s all the way to the 90s. He shot uh, pictures at Howard University in 1941. And now it's going back to Howard University so that future generations see the importance of this man. Developing new exposure to Barks Prince. Nicole Killian, CBS News, Washington. A stunning piece of history, just beautiful. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. And remember, if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. I'm Nora O'Donnell, back in our nation's capital. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> respond too quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. 
Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.